Hello and welcome to Learning More with the Core, your community health core podcast. My name is Keely Hancock and I am a current social work intern with Community Health Corps, East Texas's local mental health and IDD authority. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Community Health Corps' Director of IDD Services, Ms. Sandra Taylor. Ms. Taylor was born in Bartlett, Texas, but has lived in Longview for 40 years. With her Bachelor's of Science in Business that she attained at SFA, Sandra has served Community Health Corps for 12 years as Director of the Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities Program. So without further ado, please enjoy Ms. Sandra Taylor. Hi, Ms. Taylor. How are you? Just fine, Keely, and thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for making time. I know folks are not very eager to be on a podcast because they don't know what it is, but I do appreciate your time. (laughs) So first and foremost, can you just tell us what IDD is? Let's just start there. Oh, I like that. Actually, I had had planned to just start with the history. Yeah. What is IDD? Yeah. It actually started, it's been around <laughs> since we've all been born. I would think, yeah. That individuals with developmental disabilities, but they had another name mm-hmm. for the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Up until about five years ago, most individuals who had a diagnosis of intellectual developmental disabilities mm-hmm. been known as mental retardation. Yeah. It's not a term that we use anymore. It's because, not an endearing term. <laughs> no, because there was um, a stigma attached to it. Yes. Almost as if the, the individual was less than. Absolutely. And that is absolutely not true Mm-mm. at all. No, ma'am. So it's intellectual developmental disabilities. Mm-hmm. We actually have President Kennedy to thank for taking individuals with developmental disabilities and those with mental health Mm -hmm. from an institutionalized setting Mm -hmm. out into the community. And it all came about because of his sister who suffered from severe seizures. Her name was Rosemary Kennedy. Okay. On October the 31st, 1963, President John F. Kennedy signed a bill that moved individuals Mm -hmm. from institutionalized settings Mm -hmm. to the community. Now, prior to 1963, Mm -hmm. if you had a diagnosis of IDD or even mental health, there's a good chance you were literally put away Mm -hmm. at an institutionalized setting that were horrible. Yeah. Sort of like one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yes. If you remember that movie. Mm -hmm and how the, the employees were and mm-hmm. how the individuals were treated. There wasn't a lot of knowledge on how to no. assist folks. No, there was not. Okay. So after 1963, mm-hmm. there was a community, a community health bill mm-hmm. that forced those institutions to close down and it forced the community Mm-hmm. to start making programs for individuals with developmental disabilities that were more humane. Yeah. That actually worked with the individual mm-hmm. rather than just the diagnosis. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they're not their diagnosis. They, they're still a person. Absolutely. It's just a different ability. Absolutely. Right. And they range. Yeah. You have those that could be more severe. Mm-hmm meaning that maybe they're not able to speak or they have a very low IQ. Mm -hmm. And that IQ determines 
the spectrum yeah. of where that individual will be placed and their ability. Yeah. But it also depends on the individual and the family as well. I have seen individuals, uh, Keely, that you would think, well, are they really able to work? They are. Yeah. They may not even be able to speak. Mm -hmm. But sharp as attack. Yeah. can communicate, not necessarily through words, but through their expression, mm -hmm. uh, could be through a grunt, mm -hmm. uh, could be a head nod. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing to me, like I said, the spectrum, right. the spectrum, the spectrum. And that really just adds to what, I know you, you probably noticed I said different ability. I have a professor that doesn't enjoy hearing even disability so she has rephrased it for us as a different ability and what you're saying is that's just a different ability absolutely but society takes so long <laughs> to accept those different abilities people become to be ostracized and and put away like you said back yeah. in the early 50s and all that yeah the phone calls that i often get through the week i often get a phone call from an elderly parent Mm -hmm. And I, let's just say parent, 80 years old, mother or dad. And they have kept their individual at home mm -hmm. all this time. Mm -hmm. The individual, let's say, is 60. And not socializing? And not socializing. Ooh. And the parent will call and say to me, maybe due to a medical reason mm -hmm. or a, a physical disability of the parent, that they're no longer able to take care yeah. of that child yeah. and they want to know what services are available for that individual. Those are some tough, tough calls yeah. because one of the programs that we have is home and community-based services mm -hmm. and currently there's a waiting list of 120,000 individuals mm -hmm. in the state of Texas waiting to receive those services. The average wait is between 16 to 18 years mm -hmm. before they can receive those services. And I often tell staff, or if I'm speaking at a community event, that we want to know as soon as possible mm -hmm. if you have a member of your family who has an IDD diagnosis, mm -hmm. We want you to call us yeah. so that we can place that individual on the wait list. Mm -hmm. So back to the phone call that I often receive from the elderly parent, and they're saying what services are available. I tell them about the home and community-based services, mm -hmm. and there's normally silence on the other end when I tell them there's a wait list, mm -hmm. and it could be anywhere from 16 to 18 years. Ugh. And I can hear through the silence if only... I knew. Yeah. So it's important for us, and that's why I'm excited about this podcast, that we can get the message across. Mm -hmm. Doctors now can diagnose a baby with IDD. Really? Yeah. There are certain tests that they can give infants mm -hmm. to see if they have all their cognitive skills. They just have to be asked. The families just have oh, to ask. They have to ask or the doctors will automatically recommend it. Recommend it. Okay. And that's when many of them will roll over to our early childhood intervention program. Right, ECI. We, yeah, yeah, we sort of work hand in hand with them because mm -hmm. they work with them up until Til they're three. three years of, yeah. of age. Well, we can work with them from birth until. Yeah. There is no age limit 
right. that we have in working with individuals with developmental disability. Okay. What's important is that they have that diagnosis mm -hmm. before the age of 21. Okay, so hold on, 10 steps back, because that's a question that I was gonna ask was how do we, how do folks get the services? So they need to be diagnosed beforehand. Yeah, schools do, they will do a diagnosis. Okay. If the individual's in school, mm -hmm. we can ask for their school records. Okay. And we will forward the school records to a trained psychologist. Okay. Who will make that determination. Okay, we'll say somebody's school doesn't offer that type of service. Then we would have that individual actually go mm -hmm. to the psychologist who will run some tests. It's yeah. called a determination of intellectual disability. Okay. He actually can do some tests even on an adult. Okay. To determine if they have IDD. Do we offer that at Community Health Corps? Is that like a, a partner that we partner with, a resource? Well, what I would have the individuals always do is to call our 1-800-4-intake mm -hmm. line. Okay. Just call us, mm -hmm. set up an appointment with us, and we'll take care of the rest. We will actually get them scheduled. No matter the age, no, no matter, matter age, okay. No matter the age. Okay. Because that's, I think that's where a lot of folks get frustrated or just overwhelmed. Where do I start? I mean, like you said, a lot of parents are waiting till they're, they don't have anything else to do. Yeah, and again, we don't want you to wait. Yeah. Uh, if you're not sure, and that's another thing, I can't look at an individual mm -hmm. and say they have IDD. Right. None of my staff can do, we're not trained to do that. Yeah. That's why it's critical for anyone that has a question mm -hmm. about their loved one to call our intake line. Yes. Call 1-800-4 and the letters I-N-T-A-K-E, intake. Yeah. And we will send them to a professional, mm -hmm. and that professional will make that determination. Okay. Okay, and so from there, y'all have a ton of programs. Can you give me an overview? Because <laughs> I was there for a few days, and it was very overwhelming, but I have notes, but I think you would be the best one to describe. <laughs> well, we have general revenue uh, services that we can offer, and again, that's money that's been set aside mm -hmm. by the legislatures. And the services that we offer through our general revenue is respite. Okay, For yeah. example, that individual that called about their son, mm -hmm. and if they were in our program, mm -hmm. uh, and that person is tired. Yes. I mean, imagine if you had someone at home with you Monday through Sunday, mm -hmm. eight to, I mean, forever, and you just need a break. Mm -hmm. And that respite can even be their family members, right? They can hire someone. Okay. Yeah. They can hire someone. We will actually pay up to 10 hours a month yeah. of respite services. Mm -hmm. and that money goes directly to the family who has to pay mm -hmm. the worker. And what that worker can do is find out what is the interest mm -hmm. of that individual. What are their likes? What are yeah. their dislikes? So that when the caretaker mm -hmm. is taking their break and that caretaker can go to the movies, that caretaker can go to the park and just sit down mm -hmm. and just breathe for just... 10 hours or however long they need. <laughs> yeah. And the person that they've hired can find that from the individual. Maybe they want to go out in the community. Maybe they want to go to the movies, yeah. but they don't want to go with the parent yeah. or the caretaker yeah. because they've been with them all the time. They need the new time. things to look they at. They want new things. <laughs> so that's general revenue. Okay. In addition to respite, general revenue services also offer day habilitation services. Yes. And what day habilitation services are, there are providers throughout the 
entire state of Texas mm -hmm. who have what they have, uh, dehabilitation services mm -hmm. from, uh, it's open Monday through Friday, 8.30 most to 2.30. The individuals can go and work on vocational skills. For example, Keely, there are those that want to get a job. Yeah. So they will work with them on how to answer interview questions, mm -hmm. how to dress for success. Life skills. Life skills. Right. And then if they're not interested in vocational services, the dehabilitation program will offer life skills training. Okay. Now, there are those that need to learn how to brush their teeth, mm -hmm. how to how to dress. How to answer just simple questions like, where do you live? Yeah. What is your phone number? Do you know what to do in an emergency? Mm -hmm. So those trainings will help them in learning how to answer those basic life skills types of questions. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. And there's no, is there an age limit on that for those no. day habs? Well, uh, normally from 14 uh -huh. on up. Okay. Right. Do do we have anything that goes into the schools and works with teachers or uh, special education classes? What we do is what we offer to the schools as far as partnerships mm -hmm. is allowing our service coordinators to go into the schools to meet with the individuals with developmental disabilities, mm -hmm. as well as our intake department mm -hmm. will contact the special ed uh, departments mm -hmm. to ensure that the teachers know about the wait list and the services that are available okay. for the individuals. I mentioned our general revenue services. Mm -hmm. We also have waiver programs. Mm -hmm. You have your home and community-based services. I mentioned that's the one that has 120,000 yeah. people on the wait list for Texas. Now, home and community-based services program is the gold star. Okay. It's the one that we want Everyone wants everyone to go to. Yeah. to get. There's no financial cap on that. Yeah. There are individuals that's receiving anywhere between a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars worth of services. Wow. Now, that program will afford the individual to remain in their own home mm -hmm. or they can can live on their own mm -hmm. in their own apartment mm -hmm. with some support. Yeah. From and we call that um, community uh, first choice yes where past have services can be brought in mm -hmm. meaning someone could be brought in to help them let's say if they're not sure about how to cook yeah well someone could come in every day to teach them how to cook or let's say someone needs assistance in how to how to shower mm -hmm. getting in and out of the shower yeah. or the tub someone can come in and assist them with that or let's just say they need assistance with how to pay their bills. Mm -hmm. Someone could come in and assist them with that and just knowing how to do that. Okay. The next waiver program is Texas Home Living. Mm -hmm. It's right underneath the home and community-based services program. The difference is Texas Home Living, there is a cap. Yes. That's a cap of $15,000. And the other thing with Texas Home Living, they have to be living in their own home. They can't live in a group home. Okay. Now, Home and community-based services, the individual can live in a three- or four 
bed group home. Okay. Which is a wonderful thing because mm-hmm. they can have their own room, mm-hmm. their staff there that will cook and clean for them. Yeah. And at the same time, they are li- learning some independent skills yeah. and learning how to live on their own. Absolutely. Also, with the home and community-based services program, there's a host family program. Okay. Where they can either live with a family member who mm-hmm. can serve as their host home mm-hmm. and get paid to do it, oh. or they can live with a total stranger. Okay. And that stranger can offer host family mm-hmm. a home for them. Okay. Yeah. How do you qualify for that? You just have to be diagnosed and then... Yeah. Well, again, if you have IDD... Yeah. And if you qualify for the home and community-based services program, okay, that service could be offered. That's another menu of options. Yeah, that's available. There's a large menu. Yes, it's, it's an overwhelming menu, but yes. that's good. <laughs> so, in addition to uh, HCS. GR, Texas Home Living. Mm -hmm. We also have the CLASS program. That's Community Living and uh, Services and Support Program. Mm -hmm. Those individuals have more medical needs. Okay. I always say they're a little bit more fragile, Mm -hmm. and they're going to require more nursing hours than HCS and even Texas Home Living. Right. But CLASS is still below HCS. Yeah. But it's interesting to me because there are times when families have to make a choice on whether or not they want to accept HCS or CLASS, and many continue to accept the CLASS program because of the menu of services that's offered through CLASS that may not be offered through HCS. Oh, wow. So HCS still has some improvement. There's some areas. areas. (laughs) So in addition to that, we offer a crisis intervention program. Uh It's one of our newer programs. Mm -hmm. We actually have two crisis intervention specialists. Mm -hmm. There are times when individuals are in crisis. Yes. Uh, And oftentimes that crisis will manifest itself as a behavior. Yes. Oftentimes that behavior could also involve law enforcement. Yes. So our crisis intervention specialists will provide training to the families. Mm -hmm. They will provide trainings to the providers. And each individual has what the state calls a provider. Mm -hmm. Community Health Corps is a provider for uh, home and community-based services and also for our immediate care facilities. We're a provider. So our crisis intervention specialists will provide training on how to identify Mm -hmm. uh, the crisis, how to minimize those crises. Mm -hmm. I often say this, there's a small, small chance of us ever eliminating a crisis, but what we want to do is minimize the number of crises. Mm -hmm. And we definitely want to minimize the number of crises that will involve law enforcement. Absolutely. Uh, the crisis intervention specialists will also provide training mm-hmm. to our local police department, mm-hmm. yep. which I'm really excited about because we continue to find that our, our police officers, mm-hmm. as great as they are, is still very challenging for them mm-hmm. when they have to approach someone with IDD. Yes, and they actually are doing that the 6th to the 12th, so tomorrow I'll be going to that, and I'm excited to sit in on that because I was curious. We see in the news sad, horrible stories about individuals with IDD being in circumstances with law enforcement that they shouldn't be. Right. So I wondered, 
what you had to say on that, but it sounds like it's Nick, right? It's Nick Wesson. Nick Wesson mm -hmm. and O.C. Ellison, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be attending the meeting as well. Okay, okay. And then the same with school staff. Oh, they're yes, they, they also provide, okay. I'm glad you brought that up, they also provide training to schools. Okay, that's yes. good. That's good news. So to be working in these programs, what do you look for when you hire folks? Like what are the characteristics you think somebody needs to have working in these programs and with these individuals and their families most importantly? You know passion, you have to. Yeah. Passion and patience. Mm -hmm. Passion and patience, um, being able to communicate mm -hmm. at all levels. Yeah. Remember, there are those that may not be able to speak. Mm -hmm. There may be those that can speak, but it's thick and sometimes you've got to ask yeah. in a very kind and gentle way yes. to repeat. They also have to be able to communicate with the parents mm -hmm. or their legally authorized representative. Yeah. And oftentimes we speak in our, our bureaucratic jargon, mm -hmm. so we've got to be careful of that. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes when I'm interviewing someone, one of the main questions that I will ask is, do you know someone? who has IDD, or have you worked with someone who has IDD? And I'm always surprised when people say to me, no, I don't know anybody. You've never been around anyone with IDD? No. And I go, because mm. if they're very young, mm -hmm. we know that in the schools mm -hmm. it's been integrated. Now, I'm yeah. in my late middle 60s, so yeah. it wasn't integrated during the time that I was in school, mm -hmm. but now it is. Mm -hmm. So I often ask, well, did you ever see anyone going to the special education classes? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, or what about your church? Or got a neighbor? Mm -hmm. Or I always hit people with this. What about in your family? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes in our family, I have a sister who has IDD, mm -hmm. that yeah, there's someone close to you, yeah. or that you've been close to, mm -hmm. or nearby, who has IDD. And I often say this to um, applicants as well, you, you may think you don't, you haven't been around someone, but you possibly have. Mm -hmm. It's just that maybe they're not severe. Mm -hmm. And that's why you've discounted that you haven't been around someone. Because mm -hmm. remember, there are IDD individuals who are very high functioning, mm -hmm. that can come in and hold a conversation with both of us and neither one of us know that they have a diagnosis of IDD. Does that give you like a red flag when you hear that? Like, I haven't been around somebody with IDD. Would you not want somebody who has not had or aware that they've had that experience working in your programs? No, it doesn't discount. Doesn't? Okay. It doesn't. I wondered if it made a difference because, you know, we hire people with lived experience all the time and I see how it benefits. It is a great benefit. It is a huge benefit. Yeah. But I still don't want to discount someone who has compassion, mm -hmm. caring, is willing to learn. Yeah. That's the main thing. Yeah. Is w the willingness to learn. Because at the end of the day, we got a lot of paperwork <laughs> that our core service coordinators are asked to complete. Yeah. They have progress notes that have mm -hmm. to be completed. So we have to take a lot into consideration when we are looking to hire someone. Yeah. Now, if I read that person mm -hmm. when I'm telling them that they may have someone that's going to have behaviors, mm -hmm. could be physical at yeah. times, unable to communicate effectively, or I mentioned the class program, mm -hmm. 
a lot of physical disabilities. Medical, yeah. Some that are still lying flat on their, their backs. Mm -hmm. You gotta go see them, may see some things that now if I'm looking at that person and I can tell that is not for them, yeah. then yeah, no, probably not the right person for that particular yeah. job. Okay, because I asked, because I asked the interns, you know, what what would they like to hear from you? Because a lot of them haven't met you or been yeah. over there, and so that was one of their questions. You know, I don't know if I've been around anybody with IDD. Well, after hearing what you said, it sounds like we're just not taking notice all the time. Right. But right. that was one of the questions, and also they worry that you know, how they could benefit in the program. I guess they worry that they're not prepared with our school. We don't really discuss a lot about IDD individuals. Well, and and I'm hoping that would change. Yeah. Every opportunity that I get to talk to our Texas Council, which is like our legislative bumper that goes and talks to the legislators for mm -hmm. us, I often bring up, we need to ensure that our colleges are training social workers mm -hmm. about uh, individuals with developmental disabilities mm -hmm. as well as our nurses yes. and we need psychiatrists yeah. I mean that those the fields are wide open mm -hmm. for anyone that is interested in working with individuals with developmental disabilities mm -hmm. particularly your psychologists your BCBAs your board certified behavioral health workers yeah. uh, your nurses uh, social workers you specialize with IDD you're going to be able to just set your price I mean yeah. it's almost you guys are like unicorns <laughs> I mean we're needing them desperately yeah. and when we get one it's a pull and tug mm -hmm. to keep them so I would think that would be a big struggle y'all are dealing with like a big barrier oh it is psychiatrists for sure yeah for sure we're in a good place with Community Health Corps because we have Dr. Montoya mm -hmm. who does a fantastic job with our I've individuals. I've heard great things. Yeah. They're juggling a lot. Yeah, a lot. But he's unique in the fact that he does a lot of research with each individuals individually yeah. and it makes a huge difference. Yeah, he meets them where they're at. Meets them where they're That's at. That's a big deal. Yes. That's a really big deal you don't always find. Right. What other stressors or barriers would you say get in the way of your program providing services? Oh, not having enough money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mentioned about individuals that may have behaviors. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, throughout the state of Texas, there are not enough beds in the psychiatric hospitals yeah. for IDD individuals. There are not enough beds for those with mental health. Yeah. But we take a second seat yeah. when it comes. Oftentimes when we hear the reasons why they won't accept someone with IDD is they're looking at the IQ. Mm -hmm. And they're saying that they can't understand in the groups when they're meeting in groups. And we challenge that often. Yeah. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But imagine you have someone at home that's dual diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes our individuals who are having behavior it is not because of the IDD diagnosis, it's because of the mental health. Mm -hmm. That they have a dual diagnosis of IDD and mental health. Yeah, so we struggle when we're trying to get them help. Yeah. We struggle because depending on the behaviors, if it's very destructive mm -hmm. or if, and sometimes they can be very violent. Yeah. Police shows up, mm. hey buddy. Escalates the situation. It escalates and yeah. then they refuse to take them to jail. Yeah, 
Yeah. So the person is left in the same environment mm -hmm. that they just destroyed, either with mom, dad, or with that host family, or in a group home. And we're left with, as the local authority, with, well, what are you guys going to do? Well, our hands are tied. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a lot of options as well, yeah. but that's a huge barrier for us that we're hoping down the road can get changed. We need more beds. Mm -hmm. I have asked for a space between the state-supported living centers, mm -hmm. and the state-supported living centers used to be called state schools. Okay. It's a campus, mm -hmm. very institutionalized, and that's normally with those, I mean, very severe behaviors. Right. I would like a place between a home and the state-supported living center where maybe an individual only needs a med adjustment, mm -hmm. but they need to be separated from mom and dad, and they don't necessarily need to have to go away yeah. to a state-supported living school, but that's one of my dreams. Well, and I love to hear that, because I was going to ask, you know, we're pretty ignorant, it sounds like, as a society on IDD. You know, why do you think that is? Why are we not, are we scared of it? Is there oh, I, a stigma? I still, yeah, I still think there's fear there. Yeah. I really do think there's still fear there. That's why I really love the push about employment first. Mm -hmm. We have a program, our vocational apprenticeship program. Uh, we've been in it, it's going on our second year, where we have a class of 12 IDD individuals mm -hmm. who have indicated they're ready to go to work. And they sit in a program for 12 weeks, learning the basics of a job, mm -hmm. and, and they actually work for an employer. And they're paid while they're working for an employer to mm -hmm. learn those skills. It's not that they'll stay with that apprenticeship program, yeah. but once they get the skills, then we can refer them to other jobs. Mm -hmm. Really excited about that program. We have a young man in Texarkana right now who's working for the Texarkana Mall. Now, he's not working in a department store. He's actually working for the mall. He's done that for 12 weeks, and that employer has indicated they're going to hire him. Wow. That is, and guess what else? This individual, I think he lives in New Boston, mm -hmm. and he has to take the bus mm -hmm. from New Boston to Texarkana. He's learned a new skill. Yeah. Um, how to purchase a bus pass. Uh -huh. Time management. Yes, oh, yeah. and he's done it. Don't underestimate yeah. an individual with IDD. I often say, I think they make better workers. Yeah. Uh, they like routine. Yeah. They're very structured. Mm -hmm. Things have to be done certain way, certain mm -hmm. time, and they're willing to learn. Wow. And there's only 12 positions for that? How do we get more of those? <laughs> <laughs> We're working on that, too. We're Is that funding? That Is that a grant? We right. need to get the grant? Right. We're working on yeah. that as well. What was it called again? Vocational Apprenticeship Program. Okay. That, that's a great way of destigmatizing and showing folks that they're just a person with a different ability. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to have to have more of our IDD individuals who are, who are able to work, yeah. working. Yeah. And if they're not working in a paid job, uh, unpaid, volunteering. volunteering yeah. Because I think the general public has got to get comfortable mm -hmm. Seeing someone that is just slightly different, mm -hmm. slightly different, yeah, and having the patience, patience and a kind heart in accepting that difference. 
Absolutely. Do you think that's the only way we can get our communities to understand? Is yeah. through the workforce, or is there another way we could maybe build a coalition or something to... There are huge advocacy groups okay. for individuals with developmental disabilities. Okay. Autism, Down syndrome. Mm -hmm. There are a lot, a lot of advocates out there. I've met so many parents who had the same expectation for their individual with developmental disabilities as I had with my daughters. Yeah. They expect for their individuals to go to work, yeah. to get married, to have children. Mm -hmm. The same goals or dreams. Mm -hmm. and, and those parents I've always admired that didn't accept less yeah. for, for their child. Yeah, it's they, just a different path. Just a different path. Just mm -hmm. a different path. Well, how I like to end the podcast is I like to ask everybody how they are compassionate to themselves. What's their self-care? Because it's a big deal in, in all our fields. Burnout rate is high. I'm a yoga girl. Oh, yeah, that been, one's new. I've been doing yoga for 12 years. I've been training under the same teacher now for the past seven years, Longview Yoga. Uh-huh. I've heard <laughs> of them. Me. Yes. Uh, Rachel was actually at the uh, mental health uh, meeting on Friday and actually went to a big group yeah. through some exercises. Now, I am not a twisty girl. <laughs> I am not one that will twist up like a pretzel. No. But I go for the breathing. Mm. I, I go for the movement. Mm -hmm. As I've gotten older, I clearly recognize the importance for movement. Yeah. But it is the breathing. Mm -hmm. My other thing that I do is I'm a big time reader. I read everything. I mean, it doesn't matter. It can be uh, autobiography. Mm -hmm. It can be a romance novel. <laughs> it can be a little racy. Uh -huh. uh, but I'm going to read. And I love audio books. So mm -hmm. when I'm driving, I'm listening. And I'm a walker. I love to walk. Okay. I love walking. I'm, I'm committed to it. I'm committed to yeah, it. Yeah, it's that discipline part that I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Taylor, for coming on and really just taking a deep dive into the program. I feel like I've learned a lot, and I hope everybody else who listens has as well. If there's one thing I would like for the listeners to get, mm -hmm. call 1-800-4-INTERNET. Yes. If you have anyone who has IDD or if you have any questions, please just just call us don't wait don't wait